This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. Real. The difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and once again, welcome to Agency Intelligence. This is where we have real agents inside real agencies giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial they try to make you believe out there. Uh, Once again, I'm your host, Jason Katz, and today we are joined by, this is long overdue, long overdue. Agreed. People in the chasms of this industry who are saying, why has this not come out earlier? And I've got a couple reasons for that, and it's it's all due to Cass. So sit back and enjoy the ride because I'd like to welcome to the stage Mr. Preston Schmidley. <laughs> you have sound effects. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I just got these sound uh, effects for good. you, Preston. Um, that's so buddy, funny. How are you, dude? I'm doing great, man. I got my coffee. I'm talking to my friend. Life's good. It is. And I want you guys to know how committed he is. It's Sunday morning and we're recording this because we live such busy lives. We try to get together and finally said, let's just do Sunday. And he's on the West Coast, the cool coast. And it is uh, to 8 a.m. there. So I'm doing this at 10. So, I mean, Preston's a this is the only time we have, though, in this life that we have between work and and family. Isn't that right? Dude, it's. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny because like I'm I'm used to being surrounded by people that have like very similar schedules. You know, it's like, hey man, I can either talk super early or uh, can you do 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. And and I sent a few emails recently to people in the corporate world, uh, and I just forgot that they, they they responded like I was you know, like like that was just outlandish, and I'm like, oh okay, I've, right. I forgot I can't just clock in clock out, man. Must be nice. <laughs> You know, it is a different one. It is a different world. And, and as much as I think the way the West coast, and this is just from my perspective for everybody, maybe if you moved from the West coast to this, uh, to the more center, I came from Arizona and, um, and I actually came from Washington, but it seems like a lot of the, of, uh, the society of America revolves around the East coast, right? It's, you know, and it's, it's like the way, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the way that we have like football games, right? Like Monday night football games. Like it's kind of set to make sure that, I mean, I will say the people on the East coast have to stay up to like 1230 to watch Monday night football. Right. Right. But we can't start it too early because you guys are still at work. So it's like, it's like this, it's like this thing. So anyways, Hey, let's get on with this because there's the listeners. They're like, who they're like, who is this cat? Like they, they say, Preston, that's a cool name, right? Schmidley never heard of it. But, but before we get into that, the three questions that are going to separate you from everybody else who's been on this podcast before. And the first one is, are you an iPhone or are you a droid user? Preston? That's a great question. And this is a long tangent. So historically I'm an iPhone user. Now, 
the reason I got into being a, an iPhone user was through the music industry, uh, because most of the studios that you'll go into are primarily Mac based. So it's it makes it more uh, it makes it better if you can go in with an iPad or uh, an iPhone, because there's a lot of apps that correspond with studio equipment that like unlock features that if you didn't have an, uh, an Apple product, you wouldn't be able to leverage at this gotcha. point in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Google user. I love Google. And, um, so I don't, you know, I'm kind of in a weird place in life where I'm, where I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm contemplating getting a new phone soon and I'm torn, man. Do I, do I go You're thinking about the, getting that galaxy 10? I know you I mean, are thinking about a galaxy or, uh, you know, I've heard great things about the pixel three, you yes, know, yes, yes. So, so I'm open, man. I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, uh, I'm willing to, risk it, risk it all. (laughs) You're right in my wheelhouse, dude. You're right in my wheelhouse. So I have the eight and I've been a galaxy user from the get go. I love them. Um, but I've been thinking about going to the pixel three. The only reason I haven't, I would have already done it Mm -hmm. is because I'm with AT&T and you can only get the pixel three on Verizon network. Weird. I mean, who came up with that stupid ass rule? Cause I mean, you literally have cut out like 40% of the users out there. I, oh my God, I want to strangle somebody. Well, I wouldn't yeah. say it's a rule as much as it was just strategic. One of them benefits heavily from that contract. So, uh, yeah, amen to that. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, and, and, I'm with and you. here's another thing, Preston. I've, 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 I've heard this said before and I've encountered it a couple times. And then, like, right after I was complaining to my wife, I saw two posts on Facebook about this. My Galaxy 8 that I've had, I thought about getting the 9. I'm like, no, nah, you know, I'm going to wait for the 10. Mm-hmm. And so sure. I've had the thing, and, I, and I, I was trying to look at my phone bill, and I'm like, why in the hell am I still paying $25 a month for this phone, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went in and paid it off. I think it was like 150 bucks left or something. Paid it off. And, dude, I kid you not, the phone became the biggest piece of shit. Like right after that happened, Preston. I mean, like for the, like the last two and a half weeks, like my phone, it just doesn't oh, work well. Sure. It is it has worked fantastic yeah. until I paid the damn thing off. Like literally the next day, it started. It's and now it doesn't do video right. And when I'm trying to flip between pictures, it's like it's like there's too much stuff running, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Something's going on with this, Preston. I see other people posting about this. Some's the, somebody's got to get a class action lawsuit going welcome on Welcome to – we'll prove don't it. Don't you agree? Have you heard about this? Yeah, well, no, it's welcome to the world of planned obsolescence. I mean it's, it's real. Let's be honest. It's real. It's what do you call that? Planned obsolescence. So they, they bake it into essentially – so this is a thing, right? Like if you look back – Oh, come on with it. I love this stuff. Yeah, come so, on. so this, is, uh, this is actually interesting because – and it's indicative of our our society right now. Uh, it is cheaper to replace things in 2019 than it is to fix things. And this is this is an abstract concept, but it's not just phones. Look at relationships. You can swipe right and replace your partner. No need to fix things. You can Ooh. you can get a new washer or dryer. Why why fix the old? It's like things are so cost effective now. They're so True. accessible. We've never been in a time where instant gratification is more at our fingertips. And so it's uh, it's an interesting era from like uh, just a human interaction standpoint wow. because it, it doesn't just affect the way that we, like buyer behaviors it affects all aspects of life down to the way that we form and process and handle relationships too so it's an, it, it is an interesting thing to observe but yeah planned obsolescence is uh, definitely real bro here hold on I hear it. 
That's what you're going to get, loyal listeners. It's for real. We're only six minutes in, and he's dropping bombs. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Preston, the next thing is, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Which one? Mm, I love to lose. I love to I love to play the game, bro. That's the difference. I don't uh, I don't lose either, and that's the cool part about it. <laughs> I I you know I don't I I really don't I I bounce back so fast it's freaking incredible. So I, I I love to win, obviously, but but winning is also winning is also a dangerous place to be because the people who, especially in this industry, there's been lots of winners who lost everything, and um, uh, I I feel like winning breeds complacency and and that's not something i ever want to be i i I hope that in some regard in my life i'm always losing somehow so that i'm always forced and challenged to be the best version of myself i i don't know i just like one of my biggest fears is growing stale and losing everything because i became complacent and and it's if you if you look around the industry it's everywhere and and it scares the shit out of me (laughs) So I love to win, I love to lose, and I love to play the game, and I'm going to keep doing all of them. Yeah, I like that. That's probably one of the best we've had out here so far, and I like that. Uh, you know, you're worried about being stale and complacent, and I like that because I think a lot of people are trying to get to that level, right? Trying to get to the comfort zone of where things are just easy and smooth, and you're looking at it from a different way. But loyal listeners, once again, that's the kind of bombs we're going to be getting here. We haven't even started yet. We're still in the questions. I mean, they're well, they're going crazy out there. So, but, so, yep. so, so check ahead. this out, Jason. This is this is like look at look at this uh, in a different way, right? Insurance uh, is entering a vacuum, and and I mean it's in the vacuum. We just don't know it yet. Uh, well, I mean some of us do, but the Essentially, technology is changing the way everything is done, right? I actually, this is interesting because I'm putting this as part of my presentation. I was doing some research about this and I'm going to share these and I haven't shared these before, but I think that these are, it's a great place to share them. Okay. Neither Redbox nor Netflix are even on the radar screen in terms of competition. Blockbuster CEO Jim Keyes told uh, uh, a article, like put in an article in 2008, Block, that was the Blockbuster CEO talking about Netflix and Redbox. Two years later, they filed bankruptcy. This is from, uh, this is from a Microsoft CEO about uh, the iPhone. $500 fully subsidized with a plan. I said that is the most expensive phone in the world, and it doesn't appeal to business customers because it doesn't have a keyboard, which makes it not a very good email machine. They, they were wrong. There is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home, said Ken Olson, founder of Digital Equipment Corp, 1977. His comment came the year after Apple introduced a personal computer. Google's not a real company. It's a house of cards, said former Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer. Today, Google's parent alphabet market cap is $100 billion more than Microsoft's. What use could this company make of an electric toy, scoffed William Orton, president of Western Union, when his company had the opportunity to buy Alexander Graham Bell's revolutionary invention, the phone, in 1876? And, and, and so there was another one that I thought was very interesting. Wealth management services require educated, credentialed, experienced advisors acting as fiduciaries on behalf of clients and actively engaged in a relationship with them, said Tim Maurer, Director of Personal Finance at Buckingham and the BAM Alliance, 
uh, in an op-ed on CNBC. I don't see their services as competing with comprehensive wealth management, he said. And that was about automated investing firms like Betterment and Wealthfront. And now those are actually very relevant things. A lot of people are doing those and Acorn and other things, right? And so the reason I, I bring those up is every time somebody has scoffed and underwritten technological advancements in any field, I'm not going to say any time, but it, it, you're betting against the future, and that's stupid. And so one of the things that if you look at our industry, it's, so, it's, it's everywhere, but a lot of people put their heads down and cover their eyes because it's scary. It's unknown, and it requires work. And there's been a lot of people that used to be able uh, to, before the internet really took over, used to be able to do that and ride the wave and, and get renewals because the prospects, uh, clientele, right, consumers are – they were less educated. They had less availability of options. And now options are abundant. They can go anywhere at any time and get whatever they want. And so it's like in that in that environment, right? And and when people have access to you so easily and it's getting perpetually easier, right? There's gonna continue to be, you know, as we call them the quote unquote Ubers of the world. You know, there will be an Uber of insurance. So th- th- like it's inevitable. And so it's like, well, I am not going to lose, mm-hmm. Jason. That's right. I'm going to win. I mean, I am going to lose, right? I'm going to, I'm going to lose in micro moments, but I don't lose, like, I don't lose wars. That's I don't right. lose battles. And so, and so it's like, I look at that and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to lose the war. I'm going to always be in this. Just depends on how, right? I'm going to find my way. And so I just look at that and I go, you know, there's so much opportunity here and we are in a vacuum, but that's a beautiful thing because it's going to force change and creativity, right? Uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. And so I think that the people that really leverage the, the climate of our industry right now, I mean, we're going to look back because there's a lot of people saying it's scary, it's disruption, there's all this stuff happening. Chaos breeds right. opportunity. So it's like you, you can look at that and you can and you can retreat or you can look at that and charge. And I think that that's just, I, I, you know, it's like we're all scared shitless, but what are you doing with it? And so that's just kind of what I remind myself of every day, you know, when, uh, when, when I, and, and those, like those quotes. And so I try not to write off the competitors. I try not to write off the future and technology. And so that's what I motivates want, me. I that's like what keeps competition. Me going and I mean, anybody who says that they don't is, is crazy. And, and they really truly do when you look at the way things, things are, I mean, when it, and I think that's what perpetuates it, right. Is the competition trying to get better, trying to get better, trying to get better. And I absolutely love it. That's one thing uh, me and Justin uh, Goodman from Total CSR were talking about. Mm-hmm. It's it's right now they're in a very big blue ocean and they know they won't be there forever. But right. it's like uh, I was talking with Seth Zaremba. He says, I welcome somebody to come along and compete with what we're trying to do. He's like, because it's only going to make us better. And I think that's really good. But right. let me get on to the third question, Preston. I got to get on to the – we haven't, we haven't even started the Let's podcast yet. I mean, I'm serious. This is just awesome. So the third question is where you are now. What has gotten you there most? It could be a mixture. Has it been skill or luck? Neither. I mean, they're both there. But I think that the, the, I, in my opinion, the biggest thing that has helped me grow in my life is, is neither skill nor luck. Um, I mean, and, and you could attribute it to those if you, if you really want to make it black or white. But I would say it's actually something much greater than either of those, which is people. If it wasn't for the people that I have been blessed to be around and grow with and be beside on this journey. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. Uh, I, I talked about that on a video on my, uh, on my Facebook yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't. 
but you know, we're, we're doing some scholarships for our event. And I talked about, uh, I talked about essentially how I got into all of this and what changed actually, my life. Actually, I did. Right? Because I we did. Just, I actually did yeah. watch this. Yes, I did. Okay. Good. So yeah, we, Good you know, we, we had just left the captive world and, you know, we were at the plasma center selling blood to get gas money to go to the food bank. Like, and, and we were in like the darker times of our life, Nick Ayers and I, and this dude, this is like, like I've known Nick like two days and I've only known him because of IAOA at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and so he had the scholarship for IAOA or for uh, Innovation 18. And so I, you know, I, I, I filled out the application because I'm like, shit, I mean, I literally have nothing to lose. So I'm doing this. And so he hit me up like immediately after I submitted it. And he's like, you know, is this real? And so, you know, and that, and, and then that led to, to me connecting with him. And I just kept asking him questions about the independent world because, you know, I just left uh, a captive. And, uh, and so from that point, we, we started talking a lot and, uh, we were doing marketing in our agencies and stuff, but we, it wasn't like it is now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so then the opportunity came, there was a private, a little private mastermind out in Utah and it was like Nick and a few other, uh, a few other people. And, uh, and I was invited to that and I sold like six liters of blood to go there. And it was like the best decision I've ever made. So it's like, I wouldn't attribute that to skill. The only thing I would say is maybe luck, mm. but that's just due to timing and people. And and I was willing to reach out for something that I wanted. And I think that that's the biggest thing is most people, uh, you know, in our industry, if you get really, if you get really honest about the process, people always say they want more business, right? We always say we want more business, but when you present an opportunity, people go, "Yeah, but I want to do that." Mm-hmm. And it's like, well. You can't have the honey without the bee. You can't have the rose without the thorns. And so, you know, it's like if you want to grow, you got, you have to grow. You have to face the obstacle. You have to be challenged. And, uh, you know, it's like you, you can't just get production. It's not, you know, there's nobody in the world that can make premium fall out of the sky. You have to, you have to at some level do something to work for it, you know? And so, so it's, it's been interesting. And, and so through that journey, man, I, uh, you know, I made a lot of good friendships. I got really ingrained in this and, and, and it really motivated me to, to get the marketing, uh, to, to double down on that and go hard. I mean, we were already going hard, but it gave us definitive direction. And so people led me to, a lot of good things. So there was skill in the, involved. There was luck involved. But more than anything, bro, this people. journey, people. 100%. I fully attribute it okay. to my people. So Preston, so let's start here. So you are um, you are the owner of an agency. You're the owner of one of the largest, or not one of the largest, one of the best uh, marketing companies out there. And I don't even like to say marketing companies because uh, you and McBilly – or so much more than that. But what I need you to do is I need you to take us back, kind of piece together. A lot of loyal listeners don't know your story. And so I want to, I want you to take us back probably as far as you want to go back, high school, college, whatever you were, and bring it mm-hmm. uh, bring it forward. Um, but before we do, before we do, Damn, I bro. must okay. apologize. Worldwide apology here, okay? Because... Okay. Earlier this year, I released a podcast called the 22, I think it was 22 influential people <laughs> that were in the industry or something like that. And, and, or, and these are people that I learned from and that you should pay attention to too. And I listed 22 of them. And I mean, right. it was 22 of the best 
uh, people in the industry. I even called out some people who were very little known then who are now becoming super rock stars. And I can see this talent. And so I I just go through life and people are like, oh, yeah, thanks, Jason, for mentioning me and da, 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 da. And, you know, it's cool. I don't I don't want anybody to reach out to me. But my boy, Preston Schmidley, you know, I see him. I don't know. It was a couple of weeks later. Oh, I think it was at Elevate or something like that. And and you said, yeah, man, thanks for putting me or for not putting me in the, the top 22, bro. And I was like, what? And I'm like, nah, I had you in there. And you're like, no, really, you didn't. And I'm like, and I felt like a big old turd. I was like, damn. <laughs> I'm like, hold on. So I go back and I look at my show notes because it lists everybody out in it. And I'm looking at my show notes. I'm like, oh, my God. And, and the truth of the matter is, is loyal listeners and, and, and Preston, I, I'm, I'm not loyal listeners. I'm not kissing up to him. Preston and I have a, a deep relationship. So he already knows. But it was like, like, dude, like you would have been in my top five. You know, I mean, it's not like it's like, oh, you left that. him out because you ran out of people. No, he would have been like in my top five and I left him out, you know, and it was just like, holy cow. But uh, so there really was a top 23. We have now edited that officially. Preston, take us back um, to um, as far as you can back. Give us your story. Bring us forward. Let them know who you are. I think you're going to be able to relate to this gentleman in a way that is completely different than anybody else, loyal listeners. But in a way, it all comes from the same place. Take us back. Tell us where, how you got where you are now, Preston. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a household that, uh, you know, my life as a child was funded by the insurance industry. So, so I have a deep, you know, respect for it in a lot of ways. And, um, my dad, he's a, I think about 25, so, you know, plus or minus one, a 25 year agent and, uh, has ran an agency. So, you know, I'm 30, that that's been most of my life. And, uh, and so, you know, from the age of, I don't know, man, I probably around 10, 11, I started to kind of dabble in the agency and around 12, um, I actually started getting in there and I, I, I loved going cause dad was working and dad was building a business. And, uh, I, I really wanted to, I didn't, so I didn't get a lot of time with my father as a child. And I don't think it was cause he was neglectful. Uh, and I didn't actually, I was, I was actually very resentful of him for, for the longest time as a child. Cause I felt like he didn't care to hang out with me. I, you know, I just didn't feel the bond and, and he had a bond with my brother and, uh, you know, they were into sports, so they at least had something to talk about at nights, but like, I, I just didn't connect with him and, and it wasn't because he didn't try. He was working a lot, you know, and I didn't re- and like, now I get, I'm like fully get it. I'm like, Oh shit, dude, I'm like right. identical. So it's like mad, mad respect. And, and please, uh, I, I apologize, uh, you know, for, for my lack of understanding, but you know, so I, at the age of about 11, 12, I, I, I saw an opportunity to work in the agency, uh, which, you know, gave me an opportunity to spend time with my dad, which was awesome. And so I would go there every chance I got. And, uh, so I started illegally selling insurance at 12 <laughs> 
I would service and sell and do, you know, office stuff. But even if, to be real with you, it's kind of cool because I even hated like paper filing systems back then. I found them incredibly inefficient, but there was there was no YouTube. There was no like it wasn't. So my brain didn't have a way as a 12 year old to go, oh, well, this is what we should do. The, the Internet wasn't what right. it is now. Right. Like it was still the war between Microsoft and Netscape trying to have the browser war and all of that. You know, so it's like way different era. But I, I remember I saw so many inefficiencies in the industry and what my dad was told, uh, you know, what he needed to do to be successful and all that. And so, like, I would do everything I could to try to help him be more efficient and, and run a better operation. And, and I would sell in service when I could. And uh, I did that for, I don't know, man, five, six years. And, and uh, eventually I was like, well, shit, you, you know, like any son and his parents do, you, you kind of go, maybe my parents are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to uh, I decided to just get contrast, and uh, I I got a job as an agency manager at an all state agency to get you know because I was like well this is night and day right because I came from farmers and I was like you know that's 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 just good to see a different mm-hmm. company culture and uh, I I did that for a year and I got really uninspired because my agency manager stopped coming to the or my, the agency owner, excuse me, I was the agency manager. The agency owner stopped coming to the agency and expected me to do everything because he wanted to start a refrigerator gasket company, <laughs> like a gasket wow. repair company. Yeah, dude had an agency. Was, I love the insurance industry. Renewals are dope. Everything we do is cool. Like I can't imagine leaving this to start a refrigerator gasket <laughs> repair company. Nonetheless, as you could imagine, his business didn't last terribly long. I, uh, you know, so I ended up going, this is stupid. Um, I could do so much more without him over me and I could have his job and get paid his pay. Right. And so I talked to my dad's district manager and I, I, I've always loved him. He's a great dude. And uh, we had a really cool bond. Um, and so I was like, dude, I want to do this. I was 19. And uh, so I got, I started my own agency. I did that for about two years, just shy of two years. And I <clears throat> I experienced a lot of ageism, which was a weird thing to feel because like I would have, I would have, and this is this is actually during a time when farmers was really competitive uh, in my area. And so I would have families where I would have like, dude, the, the best like situation pricing was like a hundred dollars cheaper, $50 cheaper a month. I had everything they needed plus some, you know, better coverage, lower price. Like it was like the perfect storm, right? I did the entire proposal and I would get people to say it, dude, it all sounds good. I just can't trust my family to, to a 20 year old. And I'd be like, well, (laughs) fuck, (laughs) you know, it's like, I can't, how do you overcome that? throw a fake mustache on and call it a day. So I was just like, well, if nobody's going to take me seriously, I'm just going to go make music. And so I got a job at Guitar Center. I started working in studios. Um, and honestly, I just I just was doing engineering and stuff because that's what I went to college for uh, anyways. And I just I just decided to take, you know, some time off for myself, a few years, two years um, to just kind of connect and, and get dive into music. And I loved it. I regret nothing because I made amazing friendships on that journey. And, uh, and, but then eventually, uh, at one of the guitar centers I worked at, cause I toured the West coast quite a bit, um, in different stores and stuff. One day, one of my friends came in and he was talking about this opportunity where, um, he's like, it was a life insurance thing. And he's like, dude, he's talking about 50% commission, which at the time I thought was baller, right? right? Cause I'm used to 10. 
but you know, in hindsight, I'm like, I should, I should have, I mean, dude, it was the best experience of my life from a sales aspect. And I'll get into that to a second. But anyways, I heard 50% at the time. I thought it was great. So I was like, dude, what's his number? I called the dude and I was like, Hey man, this is my experience. I, I, I want in, I'm going to crush this. Let's go. So I did that. Uh, and I worked my ass off. Um, I was working, um, most days, 20 hour days, because there was a huge recruiting portion as, as I, I'm sure, you know, uh, in the life insurance space, uh, it's retention of people mm-hmm. is very difficult. And so it's a very, it's a grind, right? It's very hard if you have family, stuff like that. Luckily I, I was in a relationship, but I didn't have kids or anything. And, and, uh, you know, it took its toll on that relationship, but you know, I was, I was literally traveling all day, every day. I was training. I was, I was recruiting and training people in the morning on my team, growing my team. And I was, uh, I was selling at at about noon to about 11 PM every day. And then I would, after I was done in the field, I would do coaching calls with my team until about 1230 at night or or in the morning, I guess, 30 (laughs) minutes after midnight. And so, and I would rinse and repeat. And so, um, I did that every day, seven days a week. Wow. Until uh, I, I ended up becoming like a regional manager. I, I, I managed pretty much from middle Montana, Great Falls, all the way to the Pacific Ocean. And so I would go back and forth between Montana and Washington two times a month. So it was, you know, a lot of time investment. And uh, I learned a lot during that era. I, I What it taught me, and that was actually one of my most important eras, I think, because it, it prepared me for what was to come. It taught me that at any given time, the level of discomfort, the level of pain that you're suffering from is about 20 to 30% of what you can actually handle. And if you think you're uncomfortable, keep pushing forward. You don't know discomfort. It's waiting for you. Keep going forward. You're not, you're not in pain right now. Keep pushing. You know, this is not pain. This is discomfort. Keep pushing. And so that really forced me to have a level of grit that I had never had before. Because during that era, there was a point where I became homeless. There was a point where, and dude, there's some stories, bro, that I have for you that I don't even know are appropriate for the show, this podcast. But dude, there is some stuff where it's like, so so actually I will dive into some of it. So during this era, and this is actually how the name of my agency came to, to be. So, I, you know, I'm just going to tell on. a story. Okay. So... We, we get to this point where we, um, so we, we didn't get paid for any of the travel. I was 1099. Everything I had to pay all of my expenses, everything. And so all of my travel came out of mine. I was responsible for a new territory and I had, uh, one half of my team went on no advance because of quality of retention. Right. And so essentially the income of my team and my overrides died overnight. And so I, because I just believe I bring people into something and I'm going to see it out, I started covering their expenses, right? And so I would, I would pay for their gas. I would pay for their bills. I would make sure that they got through. I'd put food, you know, I was like, I was literally, I was feeding my entire team for a period because they were, and, and they were, keep, they kept working. So they, they hustled through it and they, they, they kept grinding. But it was like, I can't, I can't bring somebody and sell somebody on a vision. And because of an, like a quality thing on retention, let them die or starve because, you know, selfishly they'll leave my, they'll leave the business. But, but also outside of that, I made these people a commitment. And so, uh, and so through that, bro, I had no money for myself, but that's, you know, that's the important part. And dude, every business I've done that. I fed the team first and I ate last. And, uh, and, 
dude, it's it 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 is necessary most of the time if you're starting from scratch. And so we end up at this point where we're homeless. And so we're sleeping in the office and we're in this big, we're in this big corporate building. It's like, well, it's big. It's in Missoula. So big for Missoula is like seven stories. And uh, so we're in like the fourth story and we're sleeping in the office. And, but what I realized is our front door is facing another business, like an anesthesiologist or a dentist or something. I can't remember, uh, but it was, you know, some sort of medical office. And, uh, and so we would open the door at, you know, I don't know, like nine ish. And the, the lady that was across had a view of us. And so she started putting together like, wait, I didn't, I got in here like seven and I didn't see anybody right. come in. So she could tell like, are you guys living here? Wow. <laughs> Which was crazy because through my window at the office, I, I witnessed a uh, bank robbery, which was interesting. I reported that. <laughs> And, uh, they ended up coming back, which was cool because I, the 911 operator that I talked to, she sounded really cute. And so, um, we ended up kind of flirting a little bit after I reported the crime. And, uh, and then when they came back, it was, I had another opportunity to talk to her because I reported the second, uh, <laughs> robbery. And, um, so that was fun. And, uh, and so we're, we're living in the office and I'm like, dude, you know, I'm talking to my, my, uh, sidekick. Uh, James, I was like, James, we can't keep doing this, bro. That you know, the, the anesthesia, whoever they are, they're catching on, bro. They know that they know that they were here earliest, but yet we're opening our door, so it shows that we were here all night. So I was like, we we can't keep doing this, bro. Like we're gonna get. Re I don't know what happens, but something's gonna happen. So we go on this search, right? And so during my presentations, I start asking indirectly, like, hey, by the way, you know, we're new to town. Do you know anywhere that uh, is looking to maybe rent a room or whatever, right? And Part of the problem too was I had some cash, but like most of the places wanted like, you know, first and last and a, and a month down. I'm like, well, shit, you know, that's, that's a big, when I'm paying for everybody else, that's a lot. And so, um, I ended up asking this in this guy's house where a super nice guy, this guy named Stacy and, and, uh, I'm doing a presentation and he's like, yeah, man, I actually got a room downstairs. So I'm like, really? He, I was like, what do you want for? He's like, ah, oh, hell man, we could do like, I don't know, hundred a week. And I'm like, yeah, done, dude. Let's go. So we start, we, we stay downstairs and there's this kid named, I don't know his name. We called him Chucky because that's what he reminded us of. And he's like, he has some sort of mental disability or he's psychotic. Um, it was, it was not good. And I'm not saying that to be rude or judgmental. This kid had like, he was off. He's the type of person that would catch a cat and eat it raw. <sighs> like, you know what I mean? Like there's just something about him that's, you know, like while it's alive, like he's just weird. And he had this thing where he would eat. He had, he had this, this jar of mayonnaise that he left on right beside the chair that he would always sit in. And we didn't know this when we moved in. And so he had this jar of mayonnaise that he would just mayonnaise? eat with a spoon that was beside the chair. Oh, mayonnaise. Mayo? Okay. Okay. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. So, yeah. Di sorry. Yeah, sorry. Different Go di ahead. Sorry. Dialect. He would eat it with a spoon. <laughs> So, so he would, yeah, but then when we, when we realized, when, when we got closer, like I observed it one day when he wasn't there Aww. and the mayonnaise was fermented, bro. Like it, it had layered Aww. and separated and everything. And so he would, it, cause Aww. he didn't ever refrigerate it. So it was just out and he would just so yeah, dude, I'm like, Aww. this guy's off his rocker, bro. And, uh, 
And so we're in, uh, we're in probably one of the worst, we're in the worst winter I've ever experienced. It was negative 38, uh, during this time. Right. And I had just, uh, all I had as a jacket was a blazer because I had just moved back from San Diego and that was immediately deployed to Montana. And so I had a blazer, which was equally funny because the Montanians thought I was a Hooterite, which is kind of like an Amish person, which I didn't, I had to find out the hard way because I kept going to my appointments and my people kept like, when I'd go to knock on the door and they'd open it, uh, they'd be like, Hey, we don't want any butter. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, and they, and I kept getting this door slammed on my face and I found out Hooterites like door to door sell butter, which is funny, but, um, wow. Yeah, so they're right. like the, the Mennonites or the Amish. And so the Hooterites wear like blazers with like these super huh. big padded shoulders. And well, my blazer had pretty big padded shoulders. And so I was like, well, you know, in, in hindsight, I was like, that's actually really funny. But uh, so we're in, we're in this place, right? We're in this room and I'm with Chucky and James. And I'm like, dude, this guy's driving me crazy. And he's downstairs with us. So we have to like share the common space. And, uh, and, and we don't have access to like a kitchen or a fridge or anything. So I'm like, and we don't have much money. And, uh, and so at this point I'm like, James and I, we allotted $5 a day for us to eat. Right. And, and in the morning we would each get a sausage biscuit from McDonald's and and at night we would each get a, uh, a double stack at Wendy's. Cause it was the most, like, I, I, I like, I like Googled like the most nutritious fast food to try to make sure like on a budget we were getting, I, I guess what we needed. I mean, it's fast food, so you're <laughs> probably still killing yourself slowly, but it beat starvation at the time. And so, and so then, uh, I, I, I had a really good week. I got, I got a few hundred in commission, uh, left over after I paid everybody else's shit off. And so I was like, well, okay, let's go to the grocery store, bro. I'm going to get some stuff, right? I got some bread and all kinds of you know stuff to use it on. So I put everything in, uh, in like a, a box by the bed. Cause I didn't have, there was, we didn't have access to a kitchen or anything. And, uh, I wake up the next day to make like sandwiches and like rats had eaten the shit out of the bread, which is like five feet away from me. So that's disheartening. Right. So I'm like, so I'm like, F this, I'm pissed. Right. I'm pissed because I'm hungry. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like a a, a level of hungry. I never want to experience again, bro. And so I go back to store, I buy another loaf of bread and I'm like, this ain't happening again. I get like, I, I, I shit you not, bro. I get like five buckets, like five gallon buckets and I stack them on top of each other. I put the loaf of bread on top. I'm like, ain't happening again. So we get through the day, come back, we eat some food, right? Everything's going good. I, you know, I put the bread back up. Everything's good. I go to bed. I wake up. I look up. Bread looks, bread looks fine. Right. I go to pick it up. All the bread falls out of the bottom. Rats crawled up the side oh. of that shit, like eight feet high of buckets and ate the back end of the bread out. Now I'm super pissed because wow. these are like super rats. Like they can climb. I couldn't, buckets, I couldn't sleep like or be in that eight room, feet tall. Dude. So yeah. And so after this, wow. um, I, I buy one more, I buy one more loaf and I put it in the, the garage, but keep in mind, it's negative 38. So anything that you put outside in the garage was uh, not insulated. I mean, you couldn't put any, you know, it would freeze, right? So bread was fine. Cause it, like, we just grab a few slices and let them like thaw right. out inside. So I went out there, uh, uh, to grab, uh, for one of these meals, I went out there to grab, um, some bread and it's dark in the garage and I, and I'm, you know, I'm just, 
I'm barefoot. I'm, you know, I'm just going to get stuff. And oh I God. step on like a dead bird's head and oh it just God. like squirts under my foot. And, and it was like in this moment, bro, I, I was going through so much. I, I literally, I remember the look on James's face. We made eye contact and it was like, I actually understand when people go postal like that, that moment shook me up in a way where I was like, like I, I was like, no, no, no joke. I was legit unstable. And, uh, I just stood there for like five minutes in, in some sort of inferno rage. And, uh, I was just processing it and, and, uh, I, I realized I could have made some bad decisions in that moment, or I have always been a fan of like cynicism and dark humor, uh, during hard times. And, uh, so what I decided to do was I said, you know what? Let's just start acting as if this is an episode of a TV show. And I saw my life as a character, not as a human. And I said, this shit's fucking hilarious. And I started, and I mean, honestly, so I started scripting. Instead of taking it personal, I started letting these experiences, these shitty experiences, fuel uh, screen uh, screenwriting that I was doing. Because I was like, dude, this is way too much totally. content I to lose to anger or... And so I started, and so it reframed this really, really shitty era of my life from all these things that were happening to me to things that are happening for me. Cause now I have content, I have content everywhere. And what might seem like fiction is actually a documentary, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. And, and I was like, and so I started to think about this and we were doing like life and health, right? So like, you know, individual benefits and stuff like that. And so the name of the show was going to be called friends with benefits. And, and so I started taking all of these, these negative things in my life and turning it into this like kind of like a drama what would you call that a dramedy right. uh, like a drama comedy and uh and so it, it would i wanted to expose the part of the insurance world that the consumer never sees the things that that we go through to try to help people and be successful at the same time and the struggles that we encounter as as agents and and, and what our lives are like you know i think a lot of people have a misconception that you know, we're just out here just taxing people, raking in money and living in a mansion. It's like, no, like the things that we do to try to serve is insane. And, uh, and so I wanted to expose that. I wanted to document that. And so that was actually how the agency got its name. So I came back after two years of doing that. Uh, and be, I, I ended up becoming a regional manager, as I said, of that whole territory, but I got sick of the grind of the amount of work I was doing. And, um, so I walked into an agency meeting or like a, like a company meeting one day. And I just, uh, I remember I was, you know, they were going through their flow and everybody started to sound like Charlie Brown. There was like that whole wop, 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 wop. Like, and, and I just like, it's like a scene in saving private Ryan when he's on the beach dude. And he's just watching everything happen, but there's no, you know, nothing is, there's no audible sound. And, and everybody just was like, became a blur. And I just like was processing my own life in that moment. I was like, and I just, I just, stated out loud. I was like, I quit guys. This is it. I quit. And, uh, they were like, what? And I was like, I, this is exciting. I quit. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm so done. I'll have my desk cleared out in like 30 minutes. You can give it to whoever you want. And I was just so jubilant. And I realized how happy I was to be free of that. And I spent the next month of my life, uh, just kind of just right. spending time on me, you know? And, uh, and then I've and then after that, I was like, I'm ready to be my own boss again. Like, I'm sick of being part of a company culture and struggling for somebody else's game. So I went back to my old DM and I was like, 
bro, I got this. I have experience I've never had. One of my original struggles was um, as a uh, farmer's agent was life insurance. Nobody taught me how to sell life insurance effectively. Uh, well, at the life insurance company, I ended up selling thousands of policies over the two years. I, I had some amazing presentation help and I learned, dude, like I learned so much about life insurance and now it's like, it used to be like the thing I, I sucked at. And now it's like, dude, it's my, I'm most passionate about life insurance. Wow. I effing love it. And, uh, yeah, dude, it's like, I could sell, I could sell the shit out of life insurance all day, every day. Like, I love it. It's so good. And, uh, and so I went back to him. I was like, dude, everything that I sucked at before is now my strength. I'm ready to go, bro. I'm ready. Let's go. And so I started an, a, a, another farmer's agency. And at this time I was, I don't know, this was, uh, about 2015. And, uh, and so, wait, yeah, something like that. No, it would have been 20. Yeah. 2015. Cause I was at the 2011 to 2013 was life insurance 20 yeah so 2013 to that's all right yeah anyways Mm -hmm. so somewhere in there right there's there's two or three years i had the 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 farmer's agency i ended up getting my six and 63 started the financial services and stuff but that journey really took me into i started getting into um my own marketing because uh i was i was good at the life insurance and and i felt competent farmers started to get into it was the least competitive era of them i've ever been in right but it ebbs and flows and that's fine I, I'm grateful that it act, to be honest, I'm grateful it was uncompetitive because I've seen a lot of people in the independent space that have 20 carriers and still can't sell a policy. And I'm like, dude, I had to sell yeah. on value. Price was never, you know, you get to a point where you're like, fuck it. I know I'm more expensive, but this is why it's worth it. Like you start to just sell on value every time you stop quoting because you're like, no, oh, it's going to be more expensive. <laughs> so you don't need to see the number. You know what I mean? Like it's, you just start uh, selling on value. And in that experience, what is usually, was well, amazing. there's something, well, there's something that, um, there's something that. It ties into that. It's uh, um, a necessity breeds invention that works in a lot of things. And it works in a small Mm -hmm. way in what you're saying when you just don't have a good price. And you're, you're either going to quit or you're going to sell somehow. And you know what I mean? Um, Sometimes I talk about the power of positive pressure. I think that there, you know, diamonds come from pressure, mm-hmm. right? There, there's, there's a lot of pressure that sometimes 100%. put people put in the world. But I want to, I want to continue on to get through this because we still have a lot to talk about, and we're 45 minutes into this thing. So, so you had the free friends with benefits, yeah, bro, let's and go. Then, I mean, and and so you, you kind of tie that into where you are now. Yeah. So, so um, I was doing, I was doing the farmers right, and uh, and I got my series six and sixty three. But they, they started making a lot of changes to the company. I was getting really frustrated with the, the compliance guidelines and what they were trying to require of us as agents. And, and you know you know me, Jason. I'm, right. I don't like being told what to do. I just don't. Uh, you know, respectfully, you know, piss off. Like, it's like I don't like to tell other people what to do. I don't like to be told what to do. I'm way too libertarian for that stuff. It's like, dude, live your own life. Like, you don't like, if you need me, then you need a therapist. Like, you don't need me. Like, you need to take control of your life. You need to own your life, the wins and the losses. Mm-hmm. You need to own it all, right? And it's like, I do that too. So when somebody else tells me how to live my life, like compliance is one of my, like, that, talk about a word that just, I feel like just holds people back from success, right? It's like, don't do, like, obviously don't do immoral shit, but it's like, dude, you get to a point where companies are being, they're, they're being destructive to their culture. And so, you know, I, I, I ended up getting really frustrated. And, uh, and so we ended up entering into a point, um, we just had our commissions reduced and, uh, as a company and they don't, 
they just give you like a month's notice. Like, Hey, by the way, you're not going to get as much for, for the rest of your life. So, um, thanks for all you do. You know, it's like, it's, it's not like an open vote. You don't, right. you know, it's like, you don't have a say in it, which blows my mind actually. But nonetheless, you know, we, we kind of reached hard times because this is where I started getting into marketing. But dude, it was like, I, I really dove into marketing head first because I was sick of, of an unquantifiable grind. And what I mean by that was every time I wanted to turn my production up, I was told I need to leave more door hangers in apartment complexes. I was told I need to, to um, pound the pavement and quote unquote, knock on doors at businesses to try to get quotes out. I was told I need to pound the phones. I need to, you know, it's all this pound, pound, pound. Yeah. And I was the one getting pounded. And it was like, you know, I was like, dude, like I'm sick of this. Cause I could spend, you know, some weeks I'd spend 80 hours, 90 hours and nothing. And some weeks I'd spend 50 hours and it'd be a great week. I, and it was like, dude, the amount of input is not in any way corollary yep. to the amount of output. And that's crap. I like knowing if I put in X, I get Y. That's I love that. And so I was like, I need quantifiable because this, gr- this pounding and grinding shit is not sustainable. And uh, it, I think it's good. It builds character. But I don't I was at a point where I didn't need the practice. You know what I mean? Like I, I wanted I wanted to actually do something that would grow. And uh, and so I dove into marketing and and uh, we were experiencing a lot of financial difficulties just due to um, the factors of our rate, our company. Um, uh, you know, the rate that the commission decrease, a lot of variables there. And, uh, I had asked Lacey, uh, to, um, join me in the agency. And so we lost a source of income cause I needed, I needed help, but her job, that income stopped coming in. So she was a uh, sweetheart about it. She got licensed. She joined the agency. Um, and then uh, that was when we started going to the plasma center. Cause it's like, well, we have to still, you know, we have to still, I have, I need gas and tank for appointments and all this stuff. And, and so, we were doing that and then going to the food bank and we did that for a while, but, uh, you know, it reached a certain point where, you know, that's not sustainable either, right? You get to a point where like you, you're exhausted all the time cause you're, you know, two liters less of blood every week than you, know, you should be. So, you know, I'm, we're, we're both, it was just a very taxing part of our life. And so I, I knew that that wasn't sustainable. Uh, there was a mastermind that I wanted to go to and I couldn't afford, uh, I couldn't afford the mastermind and the ticket. And, uh, and so I asked the guy who was hosting, I was like, what can I do to get there? Like, I'll, you know, I'll film, I'll film it. I'll do, I'll film your testimonials. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll record the whole thing. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll make you like a promo teaser thingy for future stuff. And, um, and he's like, dude, if you could just get there, then whatever. Right. And so, you know, I, I did, I did all the video stuff because I, you know, I believe in honoring my, my commitments if I make those. And so I, you know, I was doing what I could to help him, but I, uh, I essentially, we sold seven liters of blood to get an airplane ticket. Uh, I flew out to Dallas and I didn't have a hotel, didn't know where I was going to go, packed, uh, one of those, uh, one of those foil blanket thingies. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I dude, I was like, I was like, you know, it's easy to look at that and go, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? You know, it's like, but I have no ego. I want to grow. It's like, I mean, I have an ego, like don't get it twisted, but like, I, I want to grow more than that's I want right. to that's have right. my ego, if that makes sense. So it's like, I, I was, I was mentally prepared to be, to sleep on the streets, to know that I was going to get what I needed. Plus, let's be honest, it was warmer in Dallas than it was in Washington. So it's like <laughs> still, still an upgrade. So, 
you know, that was an amazing experience. And, and that helped kind of shift my direction from going from being captive to being independent. Because uh, I was talking to a few other independents there that were getting 15% commission instead of my recently reduced from 10 to 9% commission on products like Foremost in Bristol West. They were getting paid right. more than 50%. On, on farmers yeah. brands and I was pissed and I was dealing with compliance shit. It was like the perfect storm of stuff to make me throw a middle finger at my company. And so, um, I, they were trying to give me really bottom dollar value on my book. I was, you know, seeing what I could sell it for. And I just, I reached a point where I was like, fuck it. I don't know who's going to get these clients. I made a commitment to these clients and I was like, I need to at least have a guarantee for them. If not for me. So I gave my I gave my agency to my dad for a dollar just to make sure it was legal, and I walked away from it just to make sure that my clients were in good hands, and uh, I started from scratch with friends with benefits. And so I was struggling to figure out what I want to call the agency because I knew I didn't want to call it Preston Schmidley Insurance because that's I think that that's too small in 2019. Like we have to be, you know, we have to be willing to look outside of ourselves because we can sell statewide. People buy nationwide. You know, they'll buy from Geico. They don't care about your name. They don't care about you. They care about, are you protecting them, right? And so it's important to remember in this journey, we aren't Luke Skywalker. We're Yoda. Our clients are Luke Skywalker. And we're not, our job is not to be the center of the story. Our job is to support them in their hero's journey. And so, you know, it's like, I wanted to serve them. I wanted the brand to be about them. And I was like, how can we make insurance playful and fun, lighthearted, all these kind of things. And I, and I was like trying to come up with these weird names and they sucked. All of them sucked. And then one day Lacey was like, why don't you just call friends with benefits? You love that name. It would be good for the show, but honestly, it'd be fun for the agency. And I was like, you know, fuck it, let's go. And so uh, that's really how the agency got started, man. And so, you know, the, the, the tagline for friends with benefits is keeping insurance simple, which is a play on words. Cause like, if you ask somebody about a relationship dynamic where they're not in a relationship, but they're, you know, humping people usually say, Oh, uh, we're just keeping it simple. Point. Right. And so it's like, that was the idea is we we're we just want to keep insurance simple. Right. We don't want people to feel like it's this giant commitment. They have to know, you know, it's like, no dude, it's like, we just want to keep it simple. Right. Keep well, it lighthearted. And, uh, and so that was this. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that was essentially how friends with benefits got developed. And, and so at that very same moment, you know, uh, we were spending all of our time, not only building out the insurance agency, but also building the marketing agency. And, uh, you know, I mean, two years later, uh, here we are and, uh, you know, it's been a grind and, and I'm sure that you saw the movement we were making in the early days of all that, because like in, uh, after innovation, uh, of, of 18, right. So it was January of 18, I realized how I knew if I didn't network with the people that I was around that. I would spend the next 80 years regretting all of it. And so, you know, and, and the best way I can describe it to people is it's like a scene in the movie, you know, like, uh, um, uh, you know, like the movies where there's like the prisoners or slaves or whatever they are, they're like wearing the black and white suits out in the yep. field and they got a ball and chain uh, on their feet. And they're like, and there's like some sort of guard with a rifle uh, or a shotgun on a horse. And he's just got some, he's got like hay in his teeth or something. He's just like got sunglasses on. And he's just yeah. looking like an asshole watching all these people. Yeah. So, I, so that's kind of how I felt in life. Right. And, and it was like, and, and the best way to describe it is I found like a, an animal bone to be able to pick the lock on my ankle. And like the guard had to go away to get water or something. And I saw a clearing in the trees and it was just in that moment, I was like, I'm either going to run or I'm going to die here. 
and I went on a dead effing sprint for the next year of my life. You know, we traveled to 20 different places to network with 20 different, you know, with a, a ton of people to learn from them, to grow. And it's not because I didn't think I, you know, I already believed I, and I know I had a lot of skills at that point when it comes to the marketing game, but I'm not so proud to think that I have all of them and that I can't learn anything. And I think the best way to be a, a great teacher is to be a great student and and vice versa. And so, you know, I, I we literally, we took 20, in 2018, we took 20 trips all over the nation and everything. And, and, uh, um, that is incredibly, uh, pivotal to where we are now, you know, the connections we've made. Well, you break, you break, uh, one of those trips was to Austin, Texas. Uh, you and I took that trip. That was a very good t- a trip, mm-hmm. but what's amazing is, is you right. break through norms, right? You bust through, um, what mm-hmm. the threshold is, you raise it, um, and loyal listeners know that even the ones that don't know you, because that's what you've done through this podcast. So you, we've so far 55 minutes in, and we just got through your introduction. So never, no one has ever taken longer than probably three minutes. You took 28 and, uh, you know, the first three questions, usually we burn through those in a about two, three minutes that took about 15. So it, mm-hmm. it, it goes to say that you're busting through norms in life and we get it because we've experienced it for the last 56 minutes and 18 seconds. And so I, I think that the, mm-hmm. where we get with this though, is understanding that really a lot of the people that we've had on here have the same kind of story. It's just unique to them. What's funny is, is how they breeze over it, mm-hmm. Preston. How it's, uh, well, went to high school and here and went to um, college here and got out and, and joined my dad's business and blah, blah. And then, you know, I ran into a guy at a gym and he said, hey, you got to get in the insurance right. business. So I did and here I am. There's really so much more to that. Right. There's really more than than that. And, Mm. you know, and I think some people really do have a boring life and they just, you know, were uh, born wealthy and whatever. And they still have had struggles. We know that. But I don't know if anybody's had the struggles very similar to 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 yours. But those struggles are are struggles when you're in them. But you look back at them and you say, that's not a struggle. That was that was a lesson. You know, that was me. That was me losing, but yet winning. You know, um, and so I really, really like that. Now let's let me jump over to something else here. So, when and where did you meet McBilly? Um, tell them about McBilly so they know know who he is. Yeah. So, I actually um, I met McBilly. <laughs> it's 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 actually a really cool story. So, I met McBilly, who is my business partner in the marketing agency, and uh, which is Good Vibe Squad, Feel Good Marketing, and we we met uh, through a online group called ClickFunnels, and he was posting about he wanted to you know he was doing marketing, and uh, he had just spent he had spent about forty thousand dollars on education to be able to learn marketing, right, which. You know, it, it's interesting in the insurance vertical. A lot of people go, "Oh, I'm not going to spend five hundred dollars to go there. That's crazy." It's not abnormal to spend ten to thirty thousand dollars on a coach or a consultant in the marketing world. Um, we've spent. I mean, we hired uh, a con- one consultant was twenty four grand this year. Uh, another one was six. I mean, we've we've spent at least fifty grand to grow. Well, d- dude, if I'm going to make fifty thousand and one dollars back. Yeah. And learn, done. 
Dude, I, and that's a, and that's kind of a crazy thing. And I think that I, I want to share that too, just as a, as something just to get into people's brains, um, from a marketing standpoint, and this is really important for other insurance agents to hear, you know, a lot of people, uh, when they go into marketing and they go, okay, well, what, what does it cost? You know, you could say a thousand dollars or $2,000 and they go, mm, it's too expensive. Like you really need to reframe that to what do you have to make? Not what's it cost? Cause if it costs 2000 and it makes 10, that's a, a no brainer. And if you don't do that a million times right. over, you're a, you're a fool. Absolutely. And I know that that's a definitive statement. It's, it sounds like an absolute, but it's like, how could you not do a five? Like it's infinite. If you do, if you put two in and you get 10, then put another 10 and it get 50. And it's like, it, right. if you could do that in the stock market, you would be Warren Buffett, right? You would like, it's like you would be Jeff Bezos level wealthy. And it, there's nothing else in the world that can do that. If you can garner on a marketing campaign, 10% more than you put into it, that is a victory, right? So, so people often make the misconception like, mm, yeah, I know it's two thousand, but like I'm going to need yeah, to make twenty thousand for that to be worth it. What? Like, you know what I mean? It's like this weird thing that you're supposed to get five or ten or twenty x on an investment. Now, I'm not going to say you can't do that, but if you like, you you really have to look at your investments in business. Like, if I can put in a hundred dollars and get, I don't know, hundred and fifty right. back, hundred and twenty back, that's a win. Because if you do that twice. Or three times, you're you're gonna win, and so it's about playing the long game, not the short game, right? A lot of uh, a, a lot of business owners, and this is actually really smart. Uh, to to this is a really good place to dive into real quick as a as a tangent. But a lot of agency owners, specifically, they day trade their agency, and what I mean by that is, you know, it's like they don't play the long game. They're not marketing with a with like a, a strategic portfolio type mindset. They're marketing like they're day traders. And they're going from venture to venture and going, oh, that didn't work. Let's move something else. Let's go. Oh, that didn't work. Let's do something else. And it's like, dude, that's not how business works. That's not how life works. You can't just day trade your agency and expect it to pan out. And so it's like, you have to play the long game. Like that's how you get large margins. That's how you win. That's how you get those capital gains. And, and you know, if you really want to win in anything, whether it's a stock market or real estate, like quick flips is just the get, the, the get skinny quick pill. It, it, it doesn't exist. It's a unicorn and you might get it once, but you're going to lose 10 times to win once it's a pirate victory. And so it's really important to, to identify like, you have you have to be thinking long game. You have to be willing to not have such massive unicorn level ROI. If you can get positive investment or like positive ROI at any level, so if Preston, you're in the green here's the on problem, a marketing though, campaign, like it's, you won. it's always the Do chicken again. and the egg thing because so many times we've been sold some kind of product or some kind of service and it doesn't work out. And so when somebody comes to us and says, Hey, we need three or $5,000 and don't worry after about, you know, three to five months, you'll start seeing some returns and da 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 da. It's kind of like, okay, is this person reputable? And, and so that's, that's a big thing. And second of all, I want to also bring to light sure. something else, testimonials. People are starting to realize, I think, I think there's a lot of people out there, mm-hmm. um, some of my friends, who really base a lot of 
whether or not somebody should believe if they have a great product based off their testimonials. We live in a world of influencers. I have, I, I'm not, I do not want to declare myself an influencer, but if I get on a testimonial and say that something is awesome, there's a lot of people that just jump on the bandwagon and I can be bought off. Right. And I'm not, I mean, my, my things that I have, I don't make any money off of it. Total CSR I'm going to, but besides that, I don't make any money off of it, but I see sure. a lot of people who do that. Now, I also know that there's there's true people of those testimonials that are watching that. So that's kind of another game there. But that's the problem that we have when it comes to putting sure. our dollars out to get a reputable company that's going to bring us that money back. I hear it. I hear it. But you can't win a war on the retreat, Jason. And this is what's important. It's it's the dude. Business is if you actually look at business from huge, a dating perspective, because the corollary is is it's almost identical. If I would say a good portion of your of it's your true. loyal listeners yep. have experienced a divorce, no. Did they stop dating? Did they not remarry? Did they not keep seeking a partner? If you want to grow, you have to understand you're going to get hit on the chin. It's part of the game. And obviously, if you work with somebody that doesn't do right by you, don't work with them twice. True. But That's that true. doesn't mean that you stop playing the game. I've been fucked over. McBilly, dude, McBilly got taken for 10 grand from another marketer saying he was going to teach him some shit and give wow. him a dude. And he literally just got robbed of 10 G's. So it's like, yeah, you know, people want to talk about how they lost 500 bucks. <laughs> dude, you know, get out of the way. Like, I, like I, I, I hear it. But it's like, dude, just because somebody breaks your heart doesn't mean you stop dating. Just because business doesn't, you know, it's like there's insurance agents out there that have fucked over clients. Right. I don't know. And, and does that mean and, that the clients should and, stop and buying? There's insurance? a lot of clients that have screwed over me and other agents, but we still get them. And I agree with that. And we're not talking about five hundred dollars, though. We're talking about thousands of dollars. And so. I'll say that from one to a million to above that. And all I'm saying is, is you're going to, if you're going to spend money, spend it strategically and make wise decisions. But you know, it's like, we've had clients that, that don't get what they need from a campaign. And oftentimes what they bought is not actually the pain point, right? Most, most agency owners don't actually know where their bottleneck is, right? A lot of people that come to us think they have a lead problem and they don't, they have a systems or a sales problem and you can give them a thousand leads and they won't convert. That's not a lead problem anymore. It's a process problem that you have internally, and that makes sense. Hundred percent. You know, we, we were talking about this, Preston, about this company um, that uh, a buddy of mine who used to be an investment guy. He went and worked with them. They have a great product, um, and they have this marketing, and they they do. I don't want to say similar to you because they don't, but they're they're a very large marketing company. They're making a lot of people money. I talked to an agency down sure. in Nashville, Tennessee, that uses them. Um, driving huge growth. It's on the commercial side. And and they're really, really yeah. doing well with Facebook and Instagram and using it with their proprietary marketing um, software and all this stuff like that. One of the things that I get mad about with these companies is they don't understand our business if you're not in our business. Yeah. And I mean it in this, and this is something I had never encountered before, is they keep wanting to tell me how by doing this, this, and this and paying this much money, which once again, they they were charging me between three to five thousand dollars a month, and I was not against paying it because I knew I was going to get the return. My problem was is they were going to give me too much, and they said we've never had that. I said that's because I don't sell shoes. Like my growth this year is based off two hundred twenty five thousand revenue. That's what we're going to grow. We're right on pace for that. If I 
get you and you start blowing up my business, like that's a good problem to have, but we are still a service oriented business that I told this place, I mm-hmm. said, you can't generate me more than 75,000 or I'm going to be in trouble. And they, and, and it was, and it was like, well, you know, maybe you're not going to hire more people. Well, that that's cool. Duh. I'm a business owner, but it takes time to get them licensed. It takes time to get them up and going. I said, this is, this is a major deal here. Now people out there sure. can say, you know, whatever they want to say in response to that. But that was our growth. Those are our growth goals. We're on pace now. So some people would say, well, why are you going to get them in the first place if you're on there? Well, they do have some, they had some very interesting things that was like kind of shit you and Big Billy do. It was like some ninja shit. And it it really was driving commercial. And that's another thing I want to talk about Mm -hmm. um, after we do. But but that was a problem, bro. Like they were going to drive me too much business and it's like they don't understand our industry. Right. It's not like shoes where I just ring you up and customer's gone and it's no big deal. Like that, I have to continue to maintain that person. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, and I think – so one of the issues too that I've realized with agencies is it's like it, – it appears like a lot of agency owners, it's like they're trying to find ways to give themselves a pay raise and not necessarily the business. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And, Explain. And I don't mean this to be an attack – yeah, I don't mean this to be attack on agency owners, but it, it's an observation I've made through hundreds of calls. And uh, what it ends, right? Because it's like, dude, if you if you could pay me a thousand dollars a month, and I can and I can make sure that you make fifteen hundred a month, there's a lot of people that say it's not worth it. By what regard, though? Mm. Right? It's the same way that we get pissed if we're twenty dollars cheaper a month for insurance and we have a better product, and people go, "Yeah, it's just not worth it to switch for twenty dollars." And we're like, "What?" And people vent in the groups talking about how you know it's like that that person's dumb and yep. blah blah blah. It's like you know, it's like, dude, if 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 somebody can make me five hundred dollars more on a thousand, I'm gonna sign a contract with them, and I'm gonna do like as much of that as I can afford immediately to get that that fifty percent return. And I'm going to double down every time until I reach the law of diminishing returns. And then I'm going to take my money that I make and reinvest into a different space. Yep. And, and so that's kind of one of the things I, that I think about. It's like people, you know, it's important to look at it and go, okay, you know, I don't care if it's direct mail. I don't even care if you're putting your face on the back of receipt paper. If you put $10 into the machine and you get 11 back, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. And that's the problem. Most agencies don't want to do it again. And so, you know, it's like everybody's looking for the the get rich quick, the the lose weight fast. We all want the instant gratification, mm-hmm. right? Go back to the swiping right to find a partner. We want to replace things. We don't want to fix them. And it's indicative in all parts of our society and culture at this point in life. We all want to replace things. We do not want to fix them. So when when you hire a marketing campaign and it exposes a chink in your armor, you don't want to have to fix the chink. You get a new marketing, right? But you see people that are serial. They 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 go from one vendor to another, and they all right. suck, right? Well, if let's take that back to dating. If you're hanging out with your bros, and you're like, bro, I was hanging out with Susan, and she's nuts, and I was hanging out with you know Cindy, and she's crazy, and I was hanging out with Jill, and she was you know she was out of control. You're gonna reach like five chicks, and your homies are gonna be like, bro, I'm gonna be real, okay? I'm gonna be real with you. You're the common That's denominator. Right. Yep. Right. And so it's like, we have to look at our agencies under that same lens and go, am I hopping from service to service and no service works? Am I neglecting to identify what needs to be fixed and trying to replace it with something that can't replace it? Right. 
lead vendors can't replace a bad process. Preston, Preston I want to talk about something real quick. I want to piss the industry off real quick, talk if you don't it. mind. Let's well, piss here's, here's something, dude. I'm really, I'm really in the middle of right now, bro. And like, it's really making mm-hmm. me mad because I think that <clears throat> agents just got to hear it. Loyal listeners, if you're out there posting, and I've been in on their posts, I'm talking to you. I am. Are you ready to transform the way your business communicates? Look no further than Lightspeed Voice, the ultimate solution for insurance agencies seeking a seamless communication. I've used them for over eight years. I'm telling you, what I'm reading is the truth. Picture this, crystal clear calls, advanced features, unparalleled, flexible, tailored, just for you. That's Lightspeed Voice. Tired of drop calls and outdated systems? Lightspeed Voice has your back. Say goodbye to communication hiccups and hello to a new era of efficiency. I love that. Boost productivity with features like call recording, voice to email, and effortless call transfers. Work from the office, from home, or on the go. Lightspeed Voice keeps you connected wherever your business takes you. Don't worry about the transition. Our dedicated support and onboarding teams will guide you every step of the way. Make the switch to Lightspeed and join the ranks of satisfied insurance agency owners, like me, experiencing the power of seamless communication. Ready to elevate your agency? Visit lightspeedvoice.com or call 877.97-VOICE to schedule your free demo. Lightspeed Voice, we're more than just talk. Cast approved. I'm tired of I'm tired. And by what? the way, but before you mm-hmm. dive into this, Jason, I want I want your listeners. I would actually love for this to be a thread. I I would love if any listeners on this want to challenge the ideologies that we're discussing here. Yes. I would love to hear educated discussion uh, that could potentially counter this because I think it's it's healthy for us to discuss this in a in a uh, non you know I'm not here to, to argue, but it's 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 healthy for us to you know if somebody feels like this doesn't sit right with them bring it up. Let's talk about it. I would love to discuss this in an open forum and not to prove a point, but like, let's get to the that's, heart of this and find out what really that's makes That's why sense. people love my podcast. And I'm not just saying that. This is what people tell me. They're like, Cass, you're willing to have the conversations that no one else wants to have. And, and a lot of times I may be let's on the go. wrong side of it, but here's the way that I look at it. It comes mm-hmm. down to, um, and I want to talk specifically, we can talk about outsourcing and stuff, but I swear to you, loyal listeners, it's not a commercial, but I'm using them as an example because it's what we're posting about and it has to do with marble mm-hmm. box versus vas and i don't think i've said this over and over preston that i believe they have two different res- uh, they have two different areas so marble box is my framers when i'm building a house my csrs are my gcs my general contractors mm-hmm. and my vas are my finishers they're the ones that that can take it down to whatever down to the exact and get it to where it needs to be And so where we come into this is how many people I have these people on one side who say that marble box and the things, the functions they do for their business is just flawless and great. And then you have these other group over here who just bad mouth and say that, you know, marble box can't do this or the VAs can't do this. And it's like, the problem is not them. You're going to hear me say it. The problem is you. I probably got some mastermind members right now. They're going to get ready to cancel their membership because of this, because, because it's something that's very tough to say. And it goes back to what you're talking about. Let's be honest, Jason. If you're actually owning your life, the problem is always you. It's true. It doesn't matter if it's somebody else, because this is the thing. If somebody else did it to you, if it's not your, if it's not your fault, it's still your problem. 
because you're mm-hmm. allowing it. You're going to get what you tolerate. So it's always your problem. It might not be your fault, but it is your but problem. But like there's some people out there who oh. are process-driven geeks. And what's amazing is they use Patra. They use Insurance Resource. They use a marble box. And they're fabulous. Now, I'm not trying to say I'm bad at process and procedure, but I've worked hard mm-hmm. on it. We use the marble box for over 93 hours. We have two VAs that we use for about 30 hours plus. And we don't have problems. Do they make mistakes? Yes. But that's the thing I want to put out there to people. I want to hit back what Preston just said. If one of my buddies told me when he was younger, he says, if everywhere you go, you have problems, you might be the carrier. And that, and that has to go with mm-hmm. what you're saying right there. And I think it goes back to that because there's people who are just wanting to, well, they don't work for me. They don't do this. They don't do this. The reason is, is because you don't have processes. Now, why does this bother me so much, Preston? That's because I love agents and I love agency owners out there and I want you to be better. And in the world we live in, every day that goes by, you must have better processes. You will be left 100%. behind without a better process. And to just talk about here, whether it's lead gen, whether it's prospecting, whether it's cross-selling, whether it's referrals, you can have more of all of that. But if you have a bad process, it's never going to work out correctly. Sorry, I had to go off on that right we, there. You just mentioned also referrals. Um, that's actually one of my, like, I, I've heard this on a lot of calls recently because, you know, we, we have the uh, storytellers. And when I want to talk about that. Don't let us quit without that. But go ahead. Go ahead. Referrals. Yeah, no, for sure. So, so, um, but I've had a lot of calls, right? And I've had a lot of agents that tell me, well, you know, a lot of my business comes from referrals. And I just want to make sure that I communicate this. And this is as an agent. And this is also as a vendor in the automation, marketing, and uh, sales side of everything. If your only source of revenue is referral driven, then you are not in control of your business. Then your referral, your referral source is in control of your business and you are subject to the whims of the market. And if you actually want to be control of your future, or if you want to be subject to quote unquote destiny, which is in my opinion, the lowest common denominator for a person who does not make a decision like that. If you want that to be your life, then then just work off referrals. But if you actually want to be in control of your future, then you need to proactively find ways to connect with the consumer because referrals can change in a heartbeat. And if you're not, and once you lose them, you lose mm-hmm. them. You know what I mean? So it's like you have to have ways that are not reactive. They're not passive. They are active. You are seeking the prospect out, not waiting for them to come in. That is very, very important to distinguish because that, especially in such turbulent times, if you're just waiting for people to find you, trust me, there's people doing much, much more to connect with them. And, uh, you know, best case scenario, you you'll be on the second or third page of Google and nobody goes. That's what Jeff, Jeff Roy said. That's the best place to hide a dead body. Second page of Google. No one ever looks. So, yeah. No, you no, you are right. So, and that goes back to the biggest lie, which I did a podcast earlier on that. Now, um, loyal listeners, you may have heard that already. You may have not. I'm going to throw Preston's, I'm going to move him up. I, I normally, Preston, yours probably wouldn't be coming out until about the beginning of July, but we got yours coming out immediately because you've got this storytellers experience. So I want to talk about that. Let's let's turn this into that real quick. Yeah. Because what was amazing, what what was really good is what you were talking about your story and how you met Nicholas. Um, the the loyal listeners mm-hmm. know that there's there's a split on Nicholas. Um, some of the people think that Nicholas is radical and wild, and some people think he's just genuine and nice. And I'm going to tell you, if you ask Nicholas, he'd probably tell you he's he's probably both. But the beauty. 
Yeah, he's all right. over that. The beauty of Nicholas, though, is there's I and I say this to my loyal listeners, they know this, Preston, but the beauty of Nicholas is is there's few people in this industry that like when I hear something's going down or something's not being done right or something, you know, he's the first person I call because he he keeps things secret. I I can trust his wisdom. Um and and he calls me on that kind of stuff. And I and I really find him as a as a great loyal friend. And Nicholas, yeah, Nicholas sure. and I found each other a long time ago, and it's the same way everybody did. He was just offering and trying to provide help, and and that's just mm-hmm. he's just the beauty of it. But you and Nicholas and McBilly, which all three of you guys are just fantastic individuals. What is this thing that we hear in the story that we're seeing in our news feeds that we're finding everywhere? What is this stories teller experience you guys are on? Yeah. So this is essentially so this is the concept, right? And you've heard me speak about this at big, uh, you know, the 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 10x uh, uh, conference. Mm-hmm. You've heard me speak about it at uh, Innovation, but every you know, it is no longer optional to be the voice of your brand. You are the voice of your brand. Now, whether you choose to accept that role or not is a different decision. But consumers are waiting for you to say something, and not saying something is an equal message in a bad direction, right? So it shows you don't care. You're not active. You're not present. You, you're not supporting them, right? And so they're looking for somebody who's vocal, whether it's right or wrong. I mean, and this is, this is actually a really interesting thing to think about. People aren't necessarily looking for morality, in who they're going to. They're looking for presence. Like make no mistake and this is and, and yes it's an extreme, mm. but it's not it's not you know it's like we should learn from history. Hitler rose to power because he was vocal and he connected with people. Like you don't have to have a moral mission to it's win. True. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Obviously have right. a moral mission, but understand if you're quietly moral, you will always lose to the vocal immoral. Ooh. And so it's like, if you're not willing to be outspoken, your clients are going to go somewhere else. So when the agents go, you know, and this is one of my things, when people go, you know, it's like people get offended when you say, you know, well, Geico has a better option. That's why consumers go to them and, and, and independents get pissed. And it's like, why Mm -hmm. do you have 24 seven call support? Really? Okay. What's your claim support? Do you have people all over town ready to, to help a client? Do you have local offices ready? Do How's you have your mobile that, app? Do, you're not willing to play. Can you pay your bill Right. Online? You're not willing to play the same game that they are. And so and so it's like when you say you give them custody, you know, and this is a, an interesting thing, but people go, well, you know, we're, we're, we give them excellent service and we give them, you know, we make sure that everybody has the coverage that they need. Well, Clint, they don't want it. That's why they're not with you. If they, if they cared about the things that you care about. And so you're judging somebody else's wallet with your bank account. And that's a bad business decision. And, you know, it's like, obviously people want to help people, but it's like, you got to lead with the carrot before you give the stick. And, and, you know, that's, that's marketing. That's, you know, uh, positioning and authority development, which is stuff a lot of people don't really do in their business, but it's really important to understand that. And so uh, the storyteller experiences is important because we understand that it's no longer optional to be the voice. You are the voice just depends on whether you're using your microphone. And and so, yeah, it's 2019, man. People can search you. And if you don't have any reviews, if you don't have a Facebook page, personal or professional, if you don't have, if you're not meant, if you're not physically present and playing the game, dude, people just go, oh, okay, I mm-hmm. see. And they move right. on, right? And so they're not gonna say anything bad, but <laughs> silence is, in my opinion, worse than a negative review. Because at least a negative review, people know your name, right? 
And so like if if you don't if you're not getting any noise, that's, yeah, that's bad. Right. That's, that's really right. bad. So, you know, it's like you, you need to be able to find that because Geico doesn't cry when they get a one star no. review because they're busy getting 10 more five star right. reviews. That's exactly right. And so, you know, it's like you, you got to be able to play that game like that. And it's like we can hate Geico all we want, but like clearly they're, they're doing something right. And uh, and, you know, they're also willing and this is also an important thing. You know, we talked about the long game strategy earlier. Geico's willing to, p- to pay millions to have a Super Bowl ad that may have no quantifiable ROI. Right. They understand that you have to be present. They understand that it takes multiple impressions to be able to convert a prospect. They understand that they have to be there when you make a decision. They can't just decide to go for the jugular, generate a lead, and when you don't answer the phone, they go, wow, the lead sucks. No, they're there throughout the whole process. When you're thinking about insurance, when you're not thinking about insurance, when you're pooping, when you're when you know when you're in an argument with your wife, when you're celebrating with your wife, whatever you're doing, they're you know Geico, 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 Geico. So when you make that decision, right. Geico, right? It's like they've been there. It's the same reason Coca-Cola will put a, a bottle in a polar bear's hand in a Super Bowl ad, pay millions of dollars for it. When dude, what what does Coke expect you to do? Go buy a two liter in that very moment? No, there's no actual call to action that they could hope for. But they want you to remember their name when you do make a purchase. And so those are very important things, right? And and a lot of people forget that brand is a, is a huge component to marketing. And, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, the storyteller experience is about helping people, uh, you know, be present. Because the stories of tomorrow are written by the winners of today. That's the motto of the event. And so we're trying to help people be in a position to be able to capitalize on on their on their opportunity, and so we've created an experience where we're we have thirty agency spots, and there's going to be four coaches. So it's it's uh, Nick Ayers, it's McBilly C, me, and uh, my good friend William Shaw, who's an automation expert, and we're going to be there with thirty. And uh, where's this at? Over the shoulder. Sacramento. Sacramento, June 28th and June 29th. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's awesome. We have this really cool space, uh, that we're going to be at really private setting. Um, there's, there's, you know, going to be, we're, we're, we're covering breakfast and lunch and, and there's going to be uh, coffee, tea, kombucha and beer, all you can drink on tap, which is kind of gnarly. Um, nice. so that's nice. cool. You know, no drink tickets necessary. Yeah holler and uh and we're you know we and then and then we're at the uh, you know the goal of it is we're gonna go everybody's gonna have their laptops open and we're gonna give them a system to be able to generate preferred business and this is the cool thing this is the only experience this is the only event this is the only marketing venture that has existed with a guarantee so strong we know that the system works because we're leveraging in our agencies that we're guaranteeing that if you truly apply the systems that we're doing You'll generate at least one of the two, right? Because it depends. We have a few captives that are coming. You'll either generate at least 600000 in new business premium over a 12-month spread or 90000 in revenue. And that's commission-dependent, right? Right. But, then, but if you're at 15%, 600000 right. is ninety. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm – so that's essentially the commitment. And if you don't hit those numbers after truly applying what you've learned and and, and going through the system and process, we're going to – we actually make the guarantee that we're going to refund not only the admission to the experience but the travel to get there. Nice. So if you fail, we lose money. I don't know anybody else that can make that bold of a statement. And the reason that we do this, we're doing it. It's working. And uh, and this is how it's cool. So most people that generate leads uh, in the personal line space, you know, they're, they're, I mean, let's be honest. Most people that opt into that kind of stuff are non-standard. They have DUIs. They have tickets. They're 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 price shoppers. And and that's fine. I have nothing against that. And let's be honest. Friends with benefits attracts that kind of clientele often. But you know, it's like. 
I want to be able to have a better book of business. And so the storyteller experience, we're, we're, we're taking a pivot. And instead of generating non, generally non-standard insurance leads, we're showing insurance agencies how to build a machine uh, through what we call the referral ecosystem and how to truly have leverage with referral partners in the lending space, mortgage lenders. And we're showing you how to acquire. And it's actually very simple to quantify. If we can help you get five decent loan officers that are referring you five households a month, okay, that's 25 households, at an average annual premium of 2000 per household, that's 50000 in in annual premium per month. If you do that for 12 months, that's 600000 annual premium at a 15% commission, that's 90000 in revenue. It's pretty straightforward. 90,000 sounds like a big lofty number for a marketing thing, but when you break it down like and you ask somebody, "Can you manage five referral relationships?" Well, yeah. Okay, well then you have what it takes. Like and that's the cool part. And so instead of generating like your auto or home lead, we're generating mortgage leads to keep referral uh, partners like tied to us, right? Because he who controls the leads controls the relationship. And so the the exciting thing about this and I love it and and I'll actually tell you a story about this. I uh uh I was, you know, with referral relationships, most people, best case scenario, will only deliver an experience to a lender, right? So maybe they buy them tickets to a game, or maybe they take in cookies or muffins or, you know, the standard stat quo stuff. Uh, and, and everybody says the same thing as their value proposition to a lender. Well, we have great rates and we have the best products and, and we have, you know, great customer service and fast binder turnaround time. Like that's your job. Of course you have all that. But what's really cool is when you go into a lender and you go, hey, listen, you probably got an insurance guy, right? And they go, yeah, absolutely, right? Of course, they don't want to talk to you. In the same way that realtors don't want to talk to them, they don't want to talk to you. And, and so it's like, okay, I get it. Of course you do. But are they putting money in your pocket? Like, are they invested in your business? No? Okay. Well, uh, I mean, are you open to reevaluating your current situation and potentially making more money? And they always go, well, of course, right? Because they'd rather be able to buy their own damn right. muffins than have That's you bring true. them in. And so, you know, we just we just essentially uh, – and, and, and there's a process, right? So we teach um, how to essentially not only generate mortgage leads because that that's just one component of the system. Leads, as we've communicated before, Jason, are actually substantially less important than good systems and sales yep. processes. And so we're going through how the entire process on how to truly and properly acquire mortgage lenders, how to set the expectations, how to qualify them, how to uh, you know how to essentially make sure you're getting consistent business from them, and when you're not, how to efficiently and effectively pull them out and replace them with another lender without disrupting your sales flow, and and that entire process piggybacked with how to generate the mortgage leads, dude, it's, it's a game changer. And, and it's, it's actually so effective. And <laughs> this is kind of funny. I was at a, uh, I was with a referral partner and, um, you know, they, uh, they, they invited me to an event where they were essentially given, uh, the experience with their previous referral partner who's another agent and that agent gave them tickets to, to something. And so he ended up taking me to the game with him that was provided from the other referral partner, which I was like, Oh dude, I, you know, it's like, it's kind of like that. I don't know if you've uh, ever had that, but um, it's kind of like that thing when like you're, you're hanging out with a chick and then, and then you find out because her husband's home that she's actually married and she never told you that. And you're like, you, you didn't tell me. And you're like running out the back door as you throw your pants on. That's kind of what it felt like, except for I didn't have to leave the house. It was, uh, <laughs> It was an experience, but when you have that kind of leverage, you know, you're, you're able to do like people want to be able to take care of their families, right? We all want to make sure it's survival. It's tribalism. We want to make sure that we can survive and provide. 
And, and if you can give those as leverage, like you only, you, you know, and, and this is a common misconception. Like people go, well, I'm not going to throw a bunch of leads at a lender. Dude, if you can help a lender get one transaction every month or every month, every other month, you know, that's like two to 3000, depending on where they're at that you just put in their pocket that nobody else Preston, does. you know one thing that's... And it's like, that's Preston, massive. Uh, to, on a sidetrack of this real quick, one of the things that you do a lot that I've noticed, I noticed this about you when we were in um, at the 10X and we were all having lunch and and just a couple of things you did and, and you did it here is how you associate the sales process yet yet um, client, um, client relationship, I guess you'd say, or prospect relationship. And you correlate it with relationships with your loved ones or with your friends, specifically your loved ones. And what's crazy about that, Preston, is I'm the only person that I've ever known do that. Um, one of the problems that when mm-hmm. I was when we were creating the total CSR commercial lines producer and prospecting was that I kept trying to tell Sarah like different like the way that I train my producers right I start to kind of realize like I really talk about that way all the time like I'll give you an example um, like uh, uh, whenever I'm trying to teach people about prospecting right I've got a lot of producers who will sometimes mm-hmm. they'll say man Jason we like cold calling uh, tow truck places mm-hmm. and I'm like why and they're like because they always let us quote and i'm and i tell him i'm like that's like when you were dating and you would walk into a bar and you would see a girl and you just meet grab her by the arm and go hey come on let's go home and have some fun and she goes okay let's go uh, that may sound yeah. cool that, that may flag. sound cool Red but that's flag. not, that's not the way you want to take home to bob right no you know <laughs> right so, yeah but fall people back. don't realize that really i say this all the time and i say it inside of the course a relationship is a relationship is a relationship if it's really truly mm. a relationship it has all the common characteristics of a relationship right. just because it's in a business relationship doesn't mean it's any different outside of the romance would, would you not agree about that I agree, and and I'm gonna simplify that down so that it's understandable for everybody, regardless of where they're at in life. People, especially in business, we have this thing where you know it's like we try to formalize things and make them. You know, we try to we try to show up in our best, right? I I mean, I don't. I I am who I am. You love me or you don't, and that's fine either way, right? But it's like most people are trying to impress people, and we all want we we you know we we try it's we do things we wouldn't normally do or, or that are out of our integrity if we were being honest with ourselves just to try to have better status in the world it's human nature right we all want to be part of a, uh, some some form of of community and so w- what i've what i've realized on this journey is we often miss miscon- we, we confuse the, the the entire relationship dynamic and we throw labels on it like b2b and b2c but let's let's not let's not be fraudulent about how we communicate with ourselves anything if it involves people, is is at the end of the day, H to H. It's human to human. It doesn't matter if it's business. It doesn't matter if True. they're consumer. If you can connect with people, I don't care if it's dating. I don't care if it's you know selling to businesses. I don't care if it's selling to you. It's all manipulation. And and I don't think a manipulation is a bad thing. Manipulation is the changing of a state, right? If you manipulate something, right, you can manipulate. If you spin, if you spin silver fast enough, it becomes gold, and and you know that's manipulation. If you freeze if we, water, you having get a communication, ice, so you manipulate it. Ice, that's okay. manipulation. Okay. Uh, you know, a, a sale is a manipulation, and so it's like manipulation is happening at all times to almost everything, right? And so I don't look at it as a bad thing. It's it's like a firearm. Uh, manipulation saves lives, and it also takes lives, right? right? And so it, it's one of those things where it's like wars are started and ended by manipulation, if you think about it, and and 
you know, so it's a very powerful concept if you really, when you dive into manipulation and realize, wow, everything, right? For when your kid gives you the puppy dog eyes when he sees the candy at the aisle, that's manipulation, right? Babies manipulate. Cats don't natively meow. They meow to learn to communicate and manipulate human behavior. Wow. Like think about that. And so, yeah, like meows are not are instinctual to cats. They actually, they just hiss and, and, and like purr. They don't. So meowing is, is, their, is their attempt to be able to connect with us and get us to do things for them. And so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So manipulation is happening biologically in nature. It's happening to us. It's, it's ingrained in, in life. Okay. Everywhere. And, uh, so, you know, when we look at that, it's like, okay, well that, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. And, and it is important to be able to relate all of that back to communication. Like it doesn't matter if they're a business, if they're a consumer, people right. are people. And if you learn to communicate effectively mm -hmm. with people, and that's why I love communicating dating and stuff, you know, cause I used to be a dating coach. I love communicating that the, the correlation between dating and marriage and all that kind of stuff to the sales process. It it's is. identical. It's it is. It's 100% identical. And so it's like, it's, it's the same thing. Like you said, you know, it's like you know, taking her, taking her home and, 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 you know, you just showed up like, well, that's very, I, I, I say it in a little less of a, know. a, you know, I always say it's like asking somebody to marry on the first date, but it, but, but, it, but the it's opposite like, if you can true. understand the that opposite concept. is true though, Preston as well, right? Like the one that you have to chase, the one that you have to like try to find, you're trying to try to chase her down. And finally, after like two months, she finally uh, allows you to go out on a date. That's probably one right. that you might want to consider taking to mom. Not right off the bat, but that's what I'm saying is that it's the opposite is true. And you're exactly right. If you can understand that concept, and what's amazing is, is when I teach this to producers and people who have been in the insurance industry, they look at me, they're like, man, I've never put two and two together. And I think that has to do with one of the big separators between those who can help people purchase things, insurance, whatever, and those who can't, <clears throat> they understand how to right. connect with people on some level. I, I like how you put that H right. to H that, that, um, that summarizes what I say in a, in a lot kinder way. In, in a, in a, in a, in, in, a, in an applicable way to give something tactical and tangible for like two year or less agents. I think that this is a very important thing to, to, to understand and heed as advice as you're taking, uh, quotes and stuff. You know, it's like, just like Jason said, you don't want to, you don't want to just show up and, and be like, Hey, you want to leave? And she says, yes. If you're, if, if you're, you know, new to the business and you're selling and servicing and you're responsible for the whole operation, it is a, in my opinion, it's a vast mistake to try to be in everything to everyone and take every quoting opportunity that comes your way like you you need to draw lines in the sand because if you're just willing to say yes to everything you're going to end up with aids that's right business aids and and it's like and and, and you won't notice it right nope. away right like it, but but at one day when you're servicing that large concrete company when you're supposed to be a personalized agency and you have no idea what you're doing you're you know you're you're over your head you don't you don't have the time or the resources to be able to provide the service and now that one account is slowing you down from managing the other hundred accounts that you have you're going to realize it was a vast mistake and that that one opportunity cost you dozens and so it's like you know everything has an opportunity cost and understand that like. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, don't, don't get caught. Not everything that shines yeah, you is know, gold. One of the things that we were talking about, Britt and I were talking about this and he said this, he said that what's hard is easy and what's easy is hard. And he said, and he said, Boom. everything is like that. He said, if you start out with it being hard, it's going to get easier. We were talking about agents who that I mm -hmm. know have 2 million in, um, plus in revenue and they have four people that work in their office with two producers. And that's because they're hyper-focused on just doing one line of business. That's all they do. They don't do anything else. And that's 
that's it. And a lot of people say, well, that doesn't seem very fun to me. You know, like, I mean, like I'm here to help people and stuff. And it's like, that's cool. If that's you, me, my philosophy though has changed. I'm not here to help people. I'm here to help my staff, my staff. If I take care of them, they'll help the people. But if I take care of my staff, that means not writing monoline, crazy ass business. That's not good for us. That's not profitable. And having them touch accounts three or four times because they got to be rewritten. If that drives them nuts, then that's not to be the kind of customer we're going to go after. And it was really amazing when he said that. And he also correlated it, which I thought was good, like parenting, right? So like a lot of parents, they want to be friends with their kids up front. And oh, I want them to like me. Mm -hmm. And then that's when they have Crazy individuals as they get older, you know that they 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 have a rough time in life. They never really had someone who was strict and stern with them. And you do see those examples of where the parents are. My parent, my mom was an absolute butthead. You know, my mom was freaking ruthless sometimes. You know, but you know what? Me and my sisters, we're good contributing people to society, right? I mean, I'm not saying we're special, but my sisters are. They 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 lead organizations. They do great things. My mom was a freaking half crazy you know she was so strict about shit but that but that led to that what's hard is easy and easy is hard and so one of the things i've always said and i want to get your point on this Preston, is i've always said you know at the beginning it's understandable you got to write anything that breathes because you got to make a living actually the older i get i'm starting to realize if you prospect hard you don't have to live by that because if you prospect enough when that one comes along that you don't need it's easy to get rid of it when you got 10 more you're looking at Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pivot that too. And I don't think, and this is what I love about my life now. I don't think you have to prospect hard and that's what like, and to get back to what started that, that, uh, that, wow. that, really? that, well, if you're smart, um, I, this is what I, and, and this, let's get back to the storyteller's experience. Cause this is what really started this for us Yeah, is, okay. We, we've built a system, bro. And it's incredible where I think about this imagine you're an agent and you're used to, you know, going to your chamber of commerce or whatever, right? You're, you're essentially panning, panhandling for business. You're begging for business. You're, and I'm not saying that that person isn't a, a trusted advisor in some capacity, but, but it's like, let me quote you. Hey, let me quote you. Let me, you know, you're always, you're always, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, right. right? Whereas imagine you work with lenders, and they refer you business and these people have to have insurance. There's, there's obvious insurable interest. Not only that, there's urgency because if they don't get it, they don't get into the home on time, which directly affects the lender's pay and it directly affects the life of the buyer. And, and so, you know, whereas most people start off with the auto in the personal line space and try to cross sell the home, but that leads to a lot of obstacles because intellectually the consumer is not used to shopping their home insurance because the bank pays for it. It's paid through escrow. Uh, they don't have to think about it. And so it, which they, they mm-hmm. prefer People would rather not think about insurance than have the best insurance. And that's important to understand. And so it's like, you know, they're not, they don't want to shop. So cross-selling when you start with the auto is very difficult. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's an uphill battle. And so if you're buying or generating leads, you're spending a ton of time prospecting to get minimal results. And, and if you're great, you'll convert 30 to 40%. And some people can do more and that's awesome because you have systems and processes for it. But on average, people are going to you know convert 10 to 20% and they're going to say, yeah, it's kind of profitable. And at the end of the day, what they're really doing is paying a lot of money and spending a lot of time to build a, a, a long and big shitty X date list. Let's be honest. And so True. what I like about the, the storyteller experience and what we're able to hand to agencies is – 
they start with a home, first and foremost. It's referred to them. They're edified by the lender. And so this person needs it. They know that they're the professional and it allows the insurance agent to be more the consultant, which let's be honest, that's what we all like to do, which requires you to sell less and service more. You have to have more of an experience and less of a sales process. And which most people also prefer. And and from there, crosslink the auto is easy because it gives them a discount on their home, which they're about to buy, which they want, right? And uh, so, and which also helps the lender with DTI. So everybody's invested in this process and making sure that you can get the package. Plus, let's talk life insurance for a second. What do you think the best time to help somebody with their life insurance, i.e. mortgage protection is? Hello, when you're getting a mortgage. And so it's on their mind, yep. right? And so all this stuff is really the perfect storm of getting a package account to protect the family who ha- is an active ear listening to what you have to say. And so you're helping the lender, you're helping the consumer, everybody's winning, you're getting paid, you have less service work on because it's a preferred account. You don't have to deal with non-standard business that's always, you know, asking for help and needing, you know, they're canceling non-renewing or whatever, right? They're going on non-pay for the, you know, it's just just a nightmare. And so you're, you're doing that. Your retention goes up, your service goes down, your renewals go up, your average premium per household goes up and you're dealing with a preferred book instead of a non-standard book. You have carriers that you might not have been so supportive of before because, well, you're mostly dealing with non-standard business because those are the people that are easy to win over because their insurance is quote unquote, always more expensive. So now you're stuck in a price shopping model where you don't really like, you can transition that whole thing by dealing with the system like we're doing at the Storyteller Experience, which allows you to lead with the home, which makes the rest of the process incredibly simple. And this is the best part. My lenders, they, they so I give them all a survey to fill out. So essentially all they have to do is once they get to the point where they're like, okay, well now we got to get insurance to make this thing real and you know to close on this date. They edify us to the client and just say, you got to talk to friends with benefits. They're amazing. You don't have to buy from them, but I'm going to make sure that they get you. And, and I use the same language that um, that they're, they're already speaking, like pre-qualified, pre-approved. I'm going to make sure that you get pre-approved mm-hmm. for the best uh, insurance program in Washington. You don't have to take it, but I'm going to do, they do an awesome job. So I'm telling you right now, you should. So then after they edify them, they fill out a survey that I've created for them which I get all the information about the client, about their spouse, date of birth, social. I get the uh, current address and then the address that they're purchasing, the purchase price, type of purchase, you know, primary, secondary, all that kind of stuff, type of property, townhouse, condo, standard home. Um, you know, you get all that information. And so by the, and so that gets automated into our Slack. So we know immediately when we get the leads real time, and then also it gets automated into our Infusionsoft. So we, we send an email out five minutes later from my agency manager, congratulating the prospect on the home buy, uh, on buying the home. Uh, edifying the lender, right? So I'm connecting back to that. And then I give them the opportunity to schedule a call with us. By the time we're on the phone, we have a full proposal for them. I mean, like the, I don't have to ask them for any missing information. And so that has streamlined nice. our process so incredibly. Like we went from doing, you know, 60 plus minutes on, on, on to acquire a client down to 10 to 15. And so it's incredibly efficient. It makes the, the, the process better for the lender because they never have to worry about the insurance, right? And, which means right. that they close on time more often. And because this is the other thing, right? And, and, uh, you know, I, a lot of people don't know this about us, but we actually, as a marketing agency, Good Vibe Squad, make a majority of our revenue in the mortgage vertical, about 85% of it. We have dozens of clients and I hop on part of our program for lenders and, and insurance agents, but, but specifically for lenders is that I offer a 30 minute, well, it's, it's 
supposed to be 15, but it, it goes up to 30 usually. Uh, a 30 minute spot every week as a consulting call with me to dial in the system, their processes. And honestly, after like one or two weeks, normally we talk about like scaling their business because they, it's it's not it's not the leads or the system that's the problem anymore. They they start to realize like, oh we have bottlenecks elsewhere. And so we start to dive into those, right? And so like, I'm, I'm working with lenders every week, every day. Uh, I have multiple calls with lenders on Zoom and we dive into their systems and everything. So like, we've become so intimately understanding of the mortgage vertical and, and we're able to package that knowledge and show people how to generate leads on Facebook. Nick's going to bring uh, how to do leads on, on YouTube. We're going to show the entire system for how to do that, how to create mortgage leads for long-form qualified exclusive mortgage leads for the lenders, which is cool because uh, they normally pay anywhere between 50 to $300 for that on their own. Wow. I know plenty of lenders that will give Zillow like two grand and they're used to getting eight to 10 leads a month. And that's not, wow. a, that's not an exaggeration. That's pretty wow. common. So, you know, and, and this is the great part about Zillow. So kudos to Zillow, as many people hate on them. Uh, they don't even guarantee a lead count. They just tell you you get impressions. It just happens to be X amount of impressions generally leads to a certain amount of leads, but that's not a guarantee. Wow. And so they're able to sell that because there's enough competition that people understand if I don't do this, uh, somebody else will, and they'll get that business if it does come through. What days and, are the storytellers day? So what storyteller, is- uh, the storyteller experience is June uh, 28th and 29th. We also have a VIP experience, which I'm really excited about. Uh, that's capped at 10 of the 30. And what the VIP experience is, um, it's on top of, so you get everything in the, in the standard admission. Uh, but the VIPs, uh, we're also covering dinner the night before, so the 27th, dinner of the 28th and dinner of the 29th. It's going to be a three-hour dinner. So we're covering the meal uh, and everything, but we're also, you're going to have all four coaches and no more than 10 uh, people there. And we're spending three hours diving into every agent's business on three different topics, right? different topic on each night. First night is Facebook ads and leveraging Facebook for their agency. Second night is YouTube ads and leveraging YouTube for their agency. And the third night is automation and leveraging automation for their agency. And so we're diving into very specific things for them, right? Because they're, they're all going to have a different scenario. And not only that, the VIPs, this is actually the fun part that I'm really excited for. The VIPs, and I, and this is why we did it in Sacramento. We're going to go back on the uh, 30th, uh, which is Sunday. We're, we're all going to the official Made You Look video studios. And we're going to help uh, script. We're, we're doing a scripting and copywriting workshop in the morning. And then we're going to help script and, 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 and write custom pieces for all of the VIPs. And, and then we're going to record them and we're going to edit them and we're going to give those videos, a fully produced video by, by made you look marketing with Nick Ayers and, and McBilly and I, good vibe squad. We're going to do that whole process for the VIPs and we're going to give content to show the VIPs how to duplicate that entire process with nothing more required than your phone. It's going to be, like, dude, it's yeah, going to be insane. That is, that does sound insane. And dude, I mean, you guys are hooking people with so much up and showing them the roads and behind the scenes and hands on. And I've been to major look marketing studios and, and, uh, it's a fantastic place. Nicholas has got so much potential there. It's ridiculous. And so I have to tell you, I do, uh, Preston thoroughly enjoy you where, if people want to find out more about the storyteller experience, where can they go? 
Uh, I would just recommend, so, you know, as a Facebook marketer, uh, I'm kind of glued to the hip with it. So feel free to shoot me a message on Facebook. Um, if we're not friends already, add me. Um, you know, I try to post funny stuff and I try to also post stuff that's going to help you in business and life. Um, and, uh, you know, join me on Facebook and, and let's start a friendship and see where it goes. And, um, I'd love to have you. I think we have a few seats left. Um, so, you know, if you, if you want to, if you want to snag one of those, um, you're welcome to. And, uh, we, we also currently Nick and I and McBilly, we're doing a scholarship as well, which has been inspired by the IAOA scholarship. Cause that helped me personally a lot, uh, when, when we were going through really hard times. And so if you're listening to this and, and you're rubbing pennies together to try to get by, I also want to inspire you, you know, um, we do have two scholarship seats open. We're going to be announcing those within five days and that's going to be anonymous, right? So if you're struggling and, uh, and you don't know how to, um, and you don't know how to, you know, pay for a marketing thing, but you know, you need something different and you're working your ass off and it's just not panning out. I invite you to go to my, my Facebook page, which is, um, uh, it's facebook.com forward slash Preston loves marketing. And I have a public video so you can watch it. And it's just, it, is, it has the link and everything to fill out the survey to apply for the scholarship. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll privately reach out to you if you're awarded the scholarship and we're going to cover your meals. We'll cover the experience. You'll get the recordings and we're going to make sure that you're surrounded by winners who want to help you grow your business and, uh, and really change your life. Um, and, and so I have that invite, uh, out to agents that are struggling right now. And then also if you just, and I want to challenge, uh, I want to challenge the top dogs and the winners. If you, uh, you know, if you want to be able to join and make an impact on an agent like that, or just apply these systems for yourself and your agency, or maybe both, right. Uh, you want to be able to, to get pulled up a little bit while also pulling somebody else up. Uh, it's going to be a great experience. Um, everybody here is invested in their success and their, and their winners. So, um, I definitely would recommend it. It's, you can get all the information if you want it from uh, my Facebook page. So send me a friend request. If we're already friends, check it out. And, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to get you enrolled. Man, fantastic. I appreciate it very much. Preston, thank you for what you and McBilly and Nicholas do. Um, you know, loyal listeners know that I only bring the cream in the crop, uh, uh, the cream of the crop on. And I really try to try to realize that people, you know, listen to the things that I say, they listen to the people that I bring on. And because of that, I, uh, I want you to know, loyal listeners, I try to do my due diligence and making sure that you only hear high quality and once again, blowing through norms, I think up to now, I think the number one longest podcast I've done of the 400 and some we've done, I think is like an hour and seven or an hour and 12 minutes. And here we are in an hour and 51. And I don't think you, any, I don't think any minute of it was boring. What Preston? You, you, you know, bro, I could do a filibuster on this stuff. I could, I, dude, you know, we could go for eight hours. Dude, dude, no, <laughs> no, no doubt. There is, um, there was a, there was, I don't, I'm I'm going to say 10 to 12 bullet points here. And there's about four that we never even got to. And really five of them we didn't get to, except that I crossed them off because we kind of talked about it. So, so yeah, nice. and I will bring you back, Preston. And, 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 and I think it'll be um, huge. I've got a couple strategy things that I want to do with you and bring you on when I'm interviewing other people, because uh, cool. you, you bring a great perspective to it. Um, but Preston, thank you once again, do appreciate everything you're doing. And to you loyal listeners, Listeners, you are the most appreciated. Without you, we couldn't do what we do. We're taking the voice of the things that you 
that you say. So we say it all the time. Tell us your thoughts and tell us your ideas, and we're going to tell the world what you have to say. Say this has been Agency Intelligence Podcast, real agents, real agencies, telling you the real artificial intelligence and not the artificial intelligence they're trying to make you believe out there. This has been Jason Cass. I'm out. Are you looking for an insurance community to join? Have you heard of the LAAIA? The Latin American Association for Insurance Agents is just not for Latins. Their focus on diversity and inclusion over the last few years has made this 54-year-old association one of the fastest growing and the most dynamic associations in the industry. With established chapters in Florida, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, and Denver, it's no surprise this association has the attention of everyone in this industry. Their upcoming national convention on beautiful Marco Island includes keynote speaker Trisha Griffith, the CEO of Progressive. National leaders from around the country like Marshberry, Vertifor, Lula, and more will be here on center stage as well. And whether you're an independent agent, a captive agent, life or health agency, or even a financial services professional, this association offers you everything you need to network and grow your business. Make sure you check them out and consider joining me, Jason Cass, at the next upcoming convention. It's going to be August 21st, the 24th, at the JW Marriott on stunning Marco Island. This has been Cass Approved.